you said something to the degree of you fought somebody who had a hundred and eighty uh, fights experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, my question to you is, what happens to somebody who fights that number of fights and never gets to? I don't like what. What is? To me, in football, okay, so the bare minimum in football for, like, nigga, you made it is practice squad NFL. Yeah. Practice squad, you got three, you got your first three years to make the official roster within practice squad. You know what I'm saying? What is the nigga you made it by? I never got the inside information on it like this. But that shit is like the wild, wild west. What? Like, there's no, no organization to it. to it, so it's just like... With no pistol. Yeah, you just, you just gotta beat ass to somebody with money notice you. That's what it is. Bro, that's literally the formula. Bro. Yeah. You literally gotta beat ass to somebody notice you. Yeah. Like, real talk, so like... One of the big things... One of the big things, um... Cause I met I met Javante Davis before he was like mm. before he before he really got to the platform where he is now, man. I got a lot of respect for Javante. And um and he was like a regular dude, bro, like a regular dude. And yeah. Adrian Broner, he I think he went to like one of Adrian Broner's camps or something like that. Mm. Yeah, Adrian Broner bought him Floyd, like, look. You gotta check this little, yeah. you gotta check this yeah. little nigga out. Like he crazy, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. He, he on top of it. He, I'm telling you, he next. And that's how that got connected. He came, flew into Vegas, and you know what I'm saying? So like, scenario time. Yeah. You're six three, two hundred and fifteen pounds in the prime of your life. You're on a date. <laughs> <laughs> you walking down the street with your girl. Nigga say something sweet to your girl. She say something back, not you. She say something back. You're like, oh, nigga, it's smoke. She stepped back, like, alright, what you gonna do? Yeah, it's shit. Yeah. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> Tag team. So, it's about to go down. He looking at you. You looking at him. He the aggressor. You are not a boxer. You do not have boxing license. Okay. That changes a lot. You have no boxing knowledge. Oh, that changes even more. (laughs) And on top of that. You barely know how to fight. <laughs> <laughs> so your fight's coming up next Saturday. Mm-hmm. You have the whole uh, theory. I think even people who don't even know that much about boxing uh, wonder this same question. It's the same stigma that's been asked for decades and decades yeah. and decades. When is your cutoff? For you to get ass before your your, your boxing match. 
Like, when is the last day can you get ass before you <laughs> Oh, get ass. I was like, get ass what? <laughs> I thought you were like, ask the question. Get, oh, alright. So this is, a, this is like a highly debated topic. Yeah, well, it, even if you don't follow boxing, it's like something most people <laughs> know about. Like, it's like, Sex is what I call a, like a keystone habit. If you ever heard of keystone habit before. Nah, break that so, down. So like a keystone habit is something major that can either positively or negative, uh, negatively kind of domino affect your life when it comes to other habits. Mm. So uh, a big keystone habit is smoking cigarettes, right? So a lot of times what happens is somebody can go out to quit smoking cigarettes and when they and when they stop smoking, they'll do stuff like go to the gym, hang out with friends more, spend more time with family. So that keystone habit kind of dominoes into other good habits and other good yeah. things. It's kind of like a momentum thing, you know what I'm saying? So that's what sex is kind of like one of those keystone things. Your it's your boy, Robbie Dean, back with another one of those fire ass episodes of me, Blanca Amigo. And this is episode 43. What's a keystone habit? Featuring my dog, Vaughn, world class gentleman, early. Yeah, in this episode, though, I linked up with a pro boxer. Uh, this is an idea I've been wanting to do for a long time. Um, it was dope to link up with a professional boxer who has his own promotional company because of the simple fact that I found out through this episode that boxing is pretty much like rapping and rapping is pretty much like boxing outside of the politics that the best man doesn't win every time um in this episode i found out how much of the wild wild west the boxing field really is i thought it had a little more organization as far as uh working your way up to the top and uh getting what you truly deserve but uh it's pretty much like you have to go to a lot of showcases and beat a lot of people asses just to get noticed for somebody to put some money into you, which is the equivalent of shooting, well, recording a lot of music, shooting a lot of videos, and putting it out until somebody with money notices you to take you to the next level. Um, this episode I truly appreciate because outside of boxing, which we started off focusing on, you know, the physicality of it, uh, the business aspect of it, etc., etc., we ventured off into just um, some dope conversations, bro. For one, we talked about keystone habits and how, you know, for the better or for the worse of you, you know, keystone habits are vital and important to your daily operation and just into your decision making every day uh for those of you who do not know what a keystone habit is and shout out to uh Vaughn he put me on this I didn't know what this is I knew like the idea of what it was but I never knew the definition of it like I could never put a word to exactly what it was but keystone habits are 
their habits or traits, whether for good or for bad, that prevent you from doing other shit. So, in simpler terms, let's say uh, you're a habitual smoker, weed smoker. You smoke weed all the time. You wake up, you go to work. All you do is think about weed. When you get home, you smoke your weed. You do what you want to do. You go to bed. Instead of you smoking weed every day, how about you get up, you go to work, and you fill that void of you smoking weed with you going to the gym or with you going to, you know, visit somebody you ain't seen in a minute. Just better decision making in the moment which leads to you making better decisions down the road anyway because of the fact that you're not smoking up 20 to 30 dollars a week per day now you're saving money that you can invest into a house a car etc etc so i'm not gonna talk your head off on it but that's in the podcast as well my other uh dope piece of advice that i took away from the episode was um randomly taking abstinence um as i get older i do try to look for different ways to challenge myself um i think it's dope to develop a level of self-control uh regardless of what it is because uh honestly i truly believe when you can practice self-control a lot more often it develops you for when you really need the self-control in the real field you know what i'm saying so uh just finding out like you know it'd be times he'll randomly go two weeks it was a time he went 10 weeks uh you know a month just random times of celibacy to just keep his um his uh i think he said his decision making and just his his mind control and just you know stay in control of yourself because once you lose control of your mind body and your soul you know you're a lost cause like the rest of these niggas so yeah just those two things i took personally from the episode that i just personally appreciate them for hopefully y'all could take more because it's hella it's a good hour and 30 hour 40 i don't know where this time is but like always you know my shit is a1 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 um always getting more litter 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 more titter 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 my bad i'm over here a little distracted real quick but yeah Follow my Instagram at R-O-B-E-I-W-H-Y. Again, that's R-O-B-E-I-W-H-Y. And like always, like always, like always, baby. Like my shit. Comment on my shit. And subscribe to my shit. Like the motherfucking white girls in the valley say. I'm out. And you're a boxer under his own promotional company, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most intriguing part about this conversation is you're pretty much doing what Floyd Mayweather is doing. Yeah, just on a smaller scale at the moment. In the beginning stages. <laughs> yeah. Let's say that. Um, what was the inspiration behind you? Well, we can later ask you about directly boxing, but what was your direct inspiration as far as um, you going 
forward through your own business like you taking it and making it your own thing because i'm sure you could have just signed to any league or you know what i'm saying anybody yeah. else yeah so the basically how that happened man was uh my mom uh she was i was actually dealing i was actually dealing with the promoter and so while i was dealing with the promoter some things happened and uh they didn't necessarily go our way and so my mom decided to get into the promotional business to uh to to basically help move move me along my career and things like that now me initially i completely advised against it the reason being is because you know uh it's a dirty business man like it ain't nothing but shady people and shady stuff going on and you know it's just a lot of stuff and i didn't want my mother involved in that you feel what i'm saying that's my mama okay yeah, you feel what i'm saying so um yeah i just didn't really want her involved in that because it, it was just a whole lot going on it was it was too much going on really to handle for um everybody that i had going on in my team so to add my mother into the mix of that was just you know i felt was was too much for me at the at the time um so she went and she did it anyway because <laughs> she said that uh that basically you know she was gonna she was gonna help me however she could you know to help further right. my career and you know what i mean and do things like that and put me in a position to where i didn't have to listen i didn't have to do what what a lot of the other fighters did were taking big big fights before they were ready and right. doing stuff like that and rush my career when I didn't have to. And so, you know, we went back and forth about it and then finally I, I ended up, you know, fighting on the card and then, you know, um, it was just kind of history from there. It became a beautiful thing. So, um, yeah, man, I, I feel like that uh, it was a, a thing that I really, I started off really not wanting to do, but once I was thrown into it, it was something I just kind of had to embrace and and accept so yeah we just went to the moon with it you know so how long have you been up under her and the promotion company itself um it's been since i think my first time fighting on the card was november of last year yeah 2018 it was november of last year and um Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just come off of an injury and stuff like that, and it was my first fight back in a while, and uh, yeah, man, we had a we had a blast promoting that show. <laughs> we had man, it was crazy. Now, um, in the beginning processes of in the beginning process, my bad, of this podcast, um, I had little shit, you know. I would work on or I would try some shit and it didn't work or maybe it did work. You know what I'm saying? I throw some ideas. Just get creative with something that you own, something with your name on it. Yeah. What was some of the earlier things that you had to take out of the show that you thought would work that didn't work? Uh, it was a lot of stuff, man. And mainly it wasn't necessarily the show or the production itself it was more so the people that you deal with and then how you deal with them you know what i mean mm. i mean just like any business boxing is all relationships except you know the the part of the relationship everybody a lot of times people want something that they don't reserve that they don't deserve or mm. people want to do what they've been doing with other people or treat you a certain way and take advantage of your kindness and stuff like that so it really wasn't many changes in and you know the production itself it was more so just 
dealings and like who you choose to deal with, who you choose to befriend. Like man, all of that stuff, man. Like it's crazy. It's I mean, it's really just life though in general, but it's it's exemplified in when it comes to boxing. What is some of the uh, dirtier things or stories you've heard in boxing? They could either been something you've seen, something done to you, or just something you heard as far as just business. Um, whoo. I'd have heard some dirty stuff, man. But I would say probably one of the dirtiest things I've seen um, was uh, somebody told me somebody told me a story about. I'm not gonna name any names, but yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. basically, it was a fighter who fought for a large sum of money, mm-hmm. like two hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. And signed a signed a, a deal with this promoter, right? And at the end of the fight, after the fight was over, only ended up getting like forty thousand dollars from the two hundred thousand dollars. But then when he went back and took the the uh, took it to uh, a lawyer, they mm-hmm. said, well, you signed this contract, and the contract was charging uh, $50 for towels. Uh, so when they was going, they was charging, they paid for the tour bus, for the hotels, for for the judges, for the commission. for hit like, them with the rap shit. Man, hit them with them. the rap contract. Man was Damn. killing them. So everything, like drink charges, entertainment charges, everything, every dollar they spent at the club, all of that stuff, the after party, the tables, the everything. Mm. They got they got hit with all of that. So how do you avoid something like that in your promotion coming? Like my team, yeah, <laughs> my team, man. You mean me specifically signing to that or or getting people? Well, I guess it's not even a proper question to ask, being that your promotional company is the one that's throwing the party and throwing the fights. But as far as just giving advice to a young boxer. How could they oh, avoid okay. a situation like that? Um, so the main thing that I would say is make sure, one, you got a solid team around you. Two, that you pass the contract through at least three to five people minimum, mm-hmm. that you get that contract through to three to five people. First, your manager is the first person that looks at the contract. Then whoever else is on your immediate team, like your close team. Um, Contracts don't really need to be seen by friends and family and stuff like that unless they have some kind of expertise. They're a lawyer or attorney or something like that. Um, But, or or a specialist that looks over contracts. But, um, and then just realize that every single thing in a contract is negotiable. Mm. Like you gotta remember that you gotta remember that everything in the contract is negotiable. So even if you gotta take your contract, highlight stuff in it, mark out stuff in it, you know what I mean, uh, and then take it back to the promoter and be like, "Yo, if for me to sign this, this is what I need out. This is what I need in," and just make sure that your contract has everything that you need in it before you sign it. And the second thing is make sure that you're not overly eager to signing thing because at the end of the day like I get I get you know people gotta feed their family people gotta make money right then people gotta do stuff like that but remember it can always be something else you could do to supplement the income you might need here and there Mm -hmm. and you will always find a way to make it so don't try to just jump into a contract because you feel like that that's some quick money right then or it's $10,000 right then or $20,000 right then 
don't jump into nothing. Make sure that you have your people review it and look at it and, and make sure everything is straight before you do it. Like that, you got to have that solid team around you. Without that, you won't make it far. Mm. Now, I wouldn't ask, expect you to be as versed in rap as you are in boxing, but are you as versed in rap? <laughs> Not as far as the artist, but just the history of people in bad contracts and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the business is very, very similar. That's that's one of the main parallels is the music business and the, and the boxing business. You know, the boxing business parallels that. Okay, so in the pursuit of trying to be successful in uh, rap or whatnot, the conventional way, well, I would say the stereotypical way they don't want us to expect is a motherfucker go to work, he comes home, he goes to the studio, yeah. he invests in his raps. They want us to believe every last one of them are just on the block doing what they got to do right, to get there. Right, right. You're in pursuit of boxing uh, under the same way. Uh, you work a nine to five, correct? Uh, somewhat. Somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um. Exactly. How much free time do you have to devote to boxing? Is the question I'm trying to ask. I'm in two parallels. I'm in a very, very. I'm in a very, very privileged position. Meaning, like, I literally work at the boxing gym I train at, and mm. I teach all the classes, and I coach the amateurs at my gym. So. I'm literally in a position to where anytime throughout the day I could train. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it would be like it would be like making music and working at the studio, basically. Right, right. You feel right, what I'm saying? Right. Like literally, like being somebody that works inside of the studio, one of the people that works inside of the studio. But not only that, but like one of the one of the key players. You feel what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, that's kind of the position I am right now. Now it's a blessing and it's a curse because. What happens is, is like, if the gym needs my time, then I can't, and then I can't train. But the same thing, if, and and that's the reason why I say it's a blessing is because the difference is, is if I had a regular job, they would need my time in the same way, except they right, would be right. at a different place. All right. So at least there, I get to be in a in an atmosphere where you know what I mean. I'm at the place where I train at anyway. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm I'm definitely in a very fortunate position, man, and that's how I align things on purpose. You know, when I when I as an amateur, is I started working in a boxing gym because I knew that like, all right, if I just surround myself with this, I won't have to leave work and I can train here. Like I made my whole life about boxing, mm. and so that helped me to to be put better in a position where I am now. You know what I mean? Where I could train and work in the same place. Real quick, real quick, off track, derailed. Name your worst loss you ever taken in the ring. Uh, could have been <laughs> practice. Could have just been around. Could have been. Well, it could have been practice. Whatever you know, what I'm saying just one where you just the um, bell ring and you go, whoo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like name. I mean, I done had some. I done had some definite wars in sparring where I didn't have my bell rung. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I I think it's I think it's like different levels to losing. Mm-hmm. I would say my worst physical loss was uh, as far as like physically taxing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I had just went open. So the difference between open and novice is you know novice is under ten fights, 
and an open is anything above 10 fights. Mm. So um, that's basically how they keep it separated. You know, so somebody with 100 fights ain't going up against somebody with two fights. Yeah, yeah you okay, feel me? I got you. Um, so, but when you hit that open class, if you somebody with 10 fights can fight somebody with 100 fights. Mm, okay. Man, so I fought this dude my first time going to regionals. I fought this dude, man. He had 183 fights. Yeah. And, bruh. <laughs> so I got in there. So, look, it was crazy because I didn't really know anything about the scene. I was only like 10 fights in. Yeah, yeah. Um, Really 11 fights in, but we lost my boxing passport, so nobody really knew that. But, yeah. But, uh. So, yeah, I was just 10 fights in. I was used to fighting two-minute rounds because novice is two-minute rounds and then open is three-minute rounds. All right, right. So, I we get there, and then I, my head coach was like, he was like, man. So, it was the regional. So, we had Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina. It was Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, and um, Tennessee. Yeah, Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, Tennessee, and one other state. I can't remember. Um might have been no, it wasn't Virginia. But anyway, mm-hmm. so basically, the most the most feared state there was Georgia. So when we get, but I am now mind you, I'm coming in this like gun ho, like happy to be right, right. at a at a tournament, like happy to be at a tournament at that level. You feel me? Yeah. So like I'm like I don't care. You feel me? I'm on I'm on whatever. So my coach sat down and he was talking to uh, I think it was just talking to my pops and he like man. I just hope we don't get Georgia on the first day because they draw from a bowl to see who fighting who. Mm-hmm. He was like, man, I just hope we don't get Georgia on the first day. All and right. then so they're like, all right, North Carolina. They're like, we're going to draw for you. They drew uh, They're like, North Carolina in the 140-pound. No, it's 52. He was like, 152-pound division faces Georgia. And my <laughs> coach was like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> so he was hurt like, damn, yeah, but, so, I'm like, what's wrong? You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. now nah, you're like, what's up? <laughs> so, finally, the, the fight day come. I wasn't even nervous. I was just I was just excited, man. Right. Wasn't even nervous, ready to go. And, um, man, I got in there, and I seen how big that dude was. I was like, okay, okay, he big. So, that means he probably slow. <laughs> man, he was big, fast, strong, everything. Man, so, he started, I was jabbing him and moving at first, jabbing him and moving. And clinching them, trying to move, dude, beating me all over the ring, man. Mm. I didn't get knocked down, nothing like that. And I didn't get stopped, but I definitely lost that fight bad. <laughs> like right, right. I lost that fight bad. So that was probably the worst physical, the worst physical loss I ever took. Now you said something that was interesting in that story. That's why I was uh, writing that shit down. Um, you said something to the degree of you fought somebody who had a hundred and eighty uh, fights experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, my question to you is, what happens to somebody who fights that number of fights and never gets to? I don't like what. What is to me in football? Okay, so the bare minimum in football. For like, nigga, you made it. It's practice squad NFL. Yeah. Practice squad, you got three, you got your first three years to make the official roster within practice squad. You know what yeah. I'm saying? What is the nigga you made it moment in boxing? And how long can you just keep fighting until you get to that moment? Well, um, and see, that's why the team part is so important because 
your you and your team really decide that like when it's time for you to turn when it's time for you to to really to really make that make that change but i would say if you asking for a specific moment a lot of times in most cases like guys make that decision um like to go pro usually after after the olympic trials or a big national tournament or something like that um so if let's say if you go and you win a couple of national tournaments and you get to a certain number of fights it's crazy because everybody has a different formula you know what i mean yeah some people like me for instance i had around 60 amateur fights Mm -hmm. so i decided to go pro because of stylistically i wasn't a fighter for the amateurs i was more of a pro fighter my last my last year in amateurs so Okay. I would I was winning fights, but the fights that I lost, I would lose them because I wasn't fighting an amateur style. They're, like literally, amateur boxing and pro boxing could almost be like two different sports. Like it's crazy how yeah. different they are yeah. because amateur boxing is all point based. It's all uh, it's all like touch 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 touch. Like how many punches can you throw? How right, many, right. It's, it's all output based. You get it's what I'm saying? Brawl, yeah. Yeah, and pro boxing is more so about like everything together like they 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 reach you off your defense they reach you off your your um a lot of your ring generalship but you see you see a lot of like you see a lot of esteemed amateurs that make it to the pros and don't do well and you see a lot of a lot of people that weren't that good at amateurs make it to the pros and do well mm. so it all depends on your grooming it all depends on your team and when they decide to turn you so it's really no moment where you make it but and mm-hmm. to, to answer your question though to answer your question a little bit more directly yeah. i would say it would be getting signed getting signed yeah like getting signed so so really that's the main goal like when you coming up is you want to get signed by a major promotional company mm-hmm. somebody that get behind you put the money behind you get you to fights on tv get you in a spot to where you know what I'm saying? You could get that exposure and uh, get the big fights and groom you in the right in the right way. So you saying the big moment for the boxer is to pretty much sign to a big time company that's doing what you doing already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, big time company with real with real mills to put behind somebody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. So. Now that I got a clear understanding of what you're doing, you're like you like Master P in the nineties. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like create something. There there's really in boxing, you can say Floyd is the first, but the first original out the mud black promo company, like didn't it didn't take a boxer who had millions to make that company big. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, to not see that, but my direct question from all that shit was I say you answered about 70% of the question but the direct question I wanted to ask you was um, is there I I, I couldn't figure it out earlier but is there a time limit on somebody because you say somebody who has 180 fights like at a certain point to me that shit becomes dangerous like how the fuck are you fighting amateur with 180 bouts of experience under your belt you know what i'm saying so one thing you have to um take into consideration too is the wear and tear in a 
in an amateur fight is completely different from the way and tear in a pro fight. So you got you got headgear, you have heavier gloves. Mm. Um, it's a lot of other factors like how many rounds. So amateur fight is three rounds, three minutes. Mm. You know, pro rounds, the least amount of rounds you can fight is four. And pro rounds are all in even numbers. Amateur rounds is in odd numbers. So you got three and then five in the Olympic trials um, and the elite tournaments. Um, Then pro is four, six, eight, ten, and 12. Um, So the wear and tear tear from a pro fight and amateur fight is completely different. Also, you have to take into consideration tournaments. A tournament, um, a big enough tournament can last anywhere from three days to three weeks, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Three, four weeks. So, it's it's tournaments out there that that go like for weeks on end, man. You know what I'm saying? Think about it like this: North, uh, New York Golden Gloves, the New York Golden Gloves, New York State Golden Gloves. Yeah, it's like a month long. Damn, huh? Like, they go the break, every weekend. Huh? Oh, yeah, they go every weekend. Cause it's that many fighters. It's that many fighters. Uh. Man. So you got to think. If you if you in that division, how many times you fighting? If you fight in Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. or even Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? If you fight in three days, right? Every weekend for four weeks, yeah. that's a lot of damn fights. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So within that month, you could take a real big chunk out of that 180. Mm. And that's what a lot of the guys, that's why they got so many fights. Because they'll hit these tournaments and they'll just rack up fights. You feel what I'm saying? They'll fight a whole bunch of different people in a short amount of time. And like even like the Georgia games, like I fought in the Georgia games twice. The Georgia games is, it used to be, when I was fighting in it, it was a four-day tournament. Mm. So I had, one time I went, um, one time I went, I fought twice. The other time I went, uh, I fought three times. So you got to think, in one weekend, you fight three times. Yeah. Like in North Carolina, a lot of times it ain't more than it's not more than ten shows a year, ten fifteen shows a year. Damn, you got what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. In yeah. North, like in North Carolina, heavy like that. Um, we might on a really really good year we'll get twenty five shows a year, mm. which is like that's like a good year. But it's between it's between like fifteen and and that. So you got to think. In a whole year, somebody fighting 15, 25 fights if you stay in North Carolina or stay around North Carolina. Yeah. But then somebody can get five fights in a weekend uh-huh. or, you know, five fights in a week. So that's the difference, man. It's like it, the wear and tear is a whole lot different, and you can rack up those wins quick. It's not like it's not like the pros. In the pros, you ain't fighting back-to-back like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, headgear, yeah, yeah. you getting cut, you getting hurt, gloves are, gloves are smaller, you're taking a lot more damage. People punch harder. Like, it's a, it'd be a lot of stuff going on. That shit is... I mean, it's crazy you, you breaking uh, boxing down like this because I, I never got the inside information on it like this. But that shit is like the wild, wild west. What? Like, it, it's no, no organization to it. to it. So it's just like... <laughs> with no pistol. <laughs> yeah, you just, just got to beat ass to somebody with money notice you. That's what it is. Bro, that's literally the formula, bro. <laughs> yeah. You literally got to be asked to somebody notice you. Yeah. Like, real talk. So, like, one of the big things, one of the big things, because um, I met, I met Javante Davis before he was, like, mm. before he, before he really got to the platform where he is now, man. I got a lot of respect for Javante. And, um, and he, 
was like a regular dude, bro, like a regular dude. And yeah. Adrian Broner, he I think he went to like one of Adrian Broner's camps or something like that. Mm. And Adrian Broner bought him Floyd, like, look, you gotta check this little yeah. you gotta check this yeah. little nigga out. Like he crazy, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. he he on top of it. He I'm telling you, he next. And that's how that got connected. He came, flew into Vegas and you know what I'm saying? So like this you have to think just like rap, bro. Yeah. That's exactly how it happens, man. You yeah. gotta just you gotta just so you gotta, you gotta drop them five tracks and somebody hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing is like, music is distributed a little differently, mm-hmm. but boxing has some of the same advantages in the sense that you know somebody can see video or somebody can see you know what you're doing in your performance and stuff like that. See your fights and then be like, yo, that's let me keep an eye on this kid. Something. Like yeah, that. that's the only thing is you can literally get out there and physically prove yourself. Yeah, music is kind of rigged. It's like the best of the best ain't always getting the best results in right. music. You know what I'm saying? More times than not, in boxing, the best man gonna get what he deserve at the end of the day. Yeah. Um. Scenario time. Yeah. You're six three. 215 pounds in the prime of your life. You're on a date. (laughs) (laughs) You walking down the street with your girl. Nigga say something sweet to your girl. She say something back, not you. She say something back. He like, oh, nigga, it's smoke. She stepped back like, like what you gonna do? Yeah, like, it should. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your turn. Tag team. So it's about to go down. He looking at you. You looking at him. He the aggressor. You are not a boxer. You do not have boxing license. Okay. That changes a lot. You have no boxing knowledge. Oh, that changes even more. <laughs> and on top of that. You barely know how to fight. <laughs> <laughs> but you just a big motherfucker. Right, right, right. <laughs> so you just, you know, you gonna That's go with the win. a lot of people wind. like that, dog. Yeah. What is your what is your 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 your, your tactic? De-escalate, man. <laughs> Like if, like if I like that's the main thing, bro. Like that's the main thing in any situation, bro. You gotta de-escalate the shit. Cause if you could, if you already really can't fight, bro, just you know try to handle it the best way you can to get out of it. <laughs> but if somebody trying to get them, you know, make something happen, you gotta protect your lady, and you say you protect her by de-escalating it. So I don't know. I feel like if you, especially if you got the right woman with you, she gonna understand. Like I, right, you know. The better option would be not to fight. You don't <laughs> yeah. gotta prove nothing to nobody, bro. You feel what I'm saying? You six three two fifteen. I don't think too many people saying stuff to your girl, but I mean, if somebody do, they must got some balls. So yeah. you might want to leave them alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> try to de- crazy, yeah. yeah, you might want to try to de-escalate that, man. <laughs> nah, but I mean, it's it's hard because I can't put myself in that scenario. I only know what I would do in my position. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. really, I don't really know what I don't really remember what it feels like not to be dangerous to somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what it feels like to to like not be able to. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, feel yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Like handle myself. In yeah, anything, yeah. In not be confident situation. in what you' about to do. Yeah, yeah, like I don't really remember what that feels like. <laughs> like unless, <laughs> unless, unless I like messing around with the jujitsu guys at the gym. That's the I remember 
that's the only time I get reminded, like, ooh, okay, maybe you ain't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah, you yeah. ain't all that, bro. <laughs> but that's the thing when those dudes get punched, punched in the face, bro. Anybody, you get punched in the face, your whole game plan changed, bro. Like, mm. But nah, that's what I would try to do. Even if if I didn't have a boxing experience and I had the boxing experience, I would do the same thing. I would I would deescalate. Deescalate. Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to fight nobody, man. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you should be trying to fight nobody not unless in you got to. Yeah. If you gotta fight somebody, then you fight somebody. But at the end of the day, I ain't trying to, I ain't trying to do that. Now, you have a fight coming up. It's the ninth. You said the twenty first. Let's see yeah. what that's about. That is September 21st. next Saturday. This podcast will come out this Friday, so the next Saturday, the twenty first. Um, scared me for a second. I was like, damn, hold on, what? <laughs> <laughs> it is, though. Yeah. Um, how do you go about selecting an opponent? Man, how long you got? <laughs> nah, it's um, your show. Nah, you so selecting an opponent, like, uh, how do we decide who to call, or how do we, like, what you mean by select? Because, I mean, it's a couple of it's a couple of things like when you select an opponent mm-hmm. nine nine times out of ten you won't get them mm-hmm. you gotta select between 15 and 20 people every time you fight damn yeah you never get you never get the guy you want unless they've been wanting to fight you or somebody called you out and said something but you you literally probably you literally never get the person you want Mm. Somebody always injured. Somebody always pulling out. Somebody always already got a fight lined up. Damn. Somebody got issues going on at home. It's like so many factors that you just can't account for. Yeah. So, I mean, when picking the opponent, logistics. But the main thing is just financially. Like, what is your budget? What what can you what can you afford to, you know, to get somebody to fight you? Mm. So, that's all. That's all in... Uh, that's really the main thing. And then from there, you know, style. Like, what kind of fighter is the person? Like, are they a sit-back, slick type of dude that like to counterpunch? Are they somebody that just come forward and throw punches? Right. You know, stylistically, what is, what type of fighter are they? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the main thing. Now, um... Well, one of the main things. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to ask you. Um, oh yeah, you was talking about the these fighters and the style how you go about picking them. Um So your fight's coming up next Saturday. Mm-hmm. You have the whole uh theory. I think even people who don't even know that much about boxing uh wonder this same question. It's the same stigma that's been asked for decades and decades yeah. and decades. When is your cutoff? For you to get ass before your, your your boxing match, like when is the last day can you get ass before you? Box? <laughs> oh, get ass! I was like, get ass what? <laughs> I thought you were like ask the question. Get oh, all right. So this is this is like a highly debated topic. Bro. Well, even if you don't follow boxing, it's like something most people know about. Like it's a cutoff day. But it's like this is a highly highly debated topic, and I. I'm on the fence about it. Okay. Okay. I'm on the fence about it how I feel for other people. But how I feel about myself 
is completely different than how I feel about the situation itself. You get what I'm saying? Right. Because when it comes to just like just like any real athlete, bro, I'm superstitious with certain shit. You right, know what right, I'm saying? Right, There's right. just certain shit that yeah. I don't do and certain <laughs> shit I always do. Yeah. Like, bro, I remember for 10, I think it was like 10 fights straight, I was wearing the same socks. Mm. I used to wash them. I ain't never wear yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I used to wear the same socks every time, like same socks all the time. Because I felt like that, nah, these is the socks that's helping me win. Even I though they're stupid, yeah, yeah. bro. But, but, um. That's a comfort thing. Yeah, yeah. that's really it. It's nah. just a mental thing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, to say that is to say, bruh, I feel like that, um, <laughs> me personally, my cutoff is two weeks. Uh, that's my cutoff, two weeks. Two weeks? Jeez. But I've gone 10. I've gone 10 before. You know what I'm saying? I've gone, I mean, I've gone, I've gone longer than that, not even for boxing, but just for, you know, personal reasons, like just wanting to just clear my head and clear my mind. I've gone longer than that, but, um, but as far as, but see, that's the crazy thing is like, I did it one time the day before and then won a golden gloves. Like mm. that next the next day, <laughs> so and then I waited ten weeks before, so it's like, damn, I don't really, I don't really know, bro. I feel like that there's, it's all personal preference, and it depends on what you're doing, bro. Like if you going, first of all, if you going trying to go crazy, dig something out, and you're yeah, trying yeah. to go ham, yeah, like, yeah. you gonna burn, yeah, you gonna be done, yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, you yeah. feel what I'm saying? <laughs> but if you go, you get a quick one or something like that, or you get some head, you chilling, like you ain't doing too much, bro. That's yeah. straight. Yeah, you feel what I'm saying? You yeah. ain't, cause it ain't, it ain't, you know. Yeah, bro. I don't none of that. I don't be doing nothing. I don't be like looking at nothing, nothing. Two weeks, bro. Now you brought up another interesting side topic. You, you like you carrying this fucking show at this point. <laughs> um, you said you, it was times you just took breaks away from sex, and yeah. you said that it was beneficial to you. Um, yeah. Just speak on how old are you? I'm 25. You're 25 years old. When was the last time you took a fast from sex? Um, a break. Uh, I mean, I've done them. Um, Periodically, I've done them pretty periodically. I mean, I had a girl for probably past. I was in a two and a half year relationship. Yeah, around there, almost three year relationship. Um, and then, so for that whole time, I mean, we really we did little little breaks here and there and stuff like mm. that for like a month at a time or six or five six weeks at a time was the most probably. But um, before that, it was. All the time, but like I would do it just probably like once or twice a year, just to just to kind of cleanse and do it. You know what I mean? Stay away from it. What and was some of the uh, strengths you would notice? Well, the first thing that I would notice is like just uh, mainly feeling more more confident in my self control and my self discipline. Mm-hmm. And if sex is like one of those. Sex is what I call a, like a keystone habit. If you ever heard a keystone habit before, nah, break that so down. So like a keystone habit is something major that can either positively or negative uh, negatively 
kind of domino affect your life when it comes to other habits. Mm. So uh, a big keystone habit is smoking cigarettes, right? So a lot of times what happens is somebody can go out to quit smoking cigarettes and when they and when they stop smoking, they'll do stuff like go to the gym, hang out with friends more, spend more time with family. So that keystone habit kind of dominoes into other good habits and other good yeah. things. It's kind of like a momentum thing, you know what I'm saying? So that's what sex is kind of like one of those keystone things where like think about it like this. When you go in, if you, if it's it's a little different if you have one sexual partner, but if you go in and you single or something like that, and you might have a girl for a little bit or this and that, or you got a female you're dealing with, think about the energy and the time that you spend doing that. Because so I had an interesting conversation uh, with one of my young cats because I I like to mentor all my boxers, man. I feel like boxing is really more so about life than anything. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I like to mentor a lot uh, my boxers and stuff like that. So I got a young cat and he was like, and he asked me kind of like the same question about sex and stuff like that. And um, he was basically like, sex don't take no energy. Because I was telling him, I was like, bro, you you got to chill with all the stuff that you're doing if you really want to focus on boxing because like, regardless of what you think, it's taking a whole lot more time and energy than you think it is. Yeah. So, and I broke it down like this. I told him, I said, all right. I said, yeah, sex don't really take no time, no energy because he was saying, oh, no, nah, they call me. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, he like, oh, they hit me up, or yeah. they say this, or they say mm -hmm, that, or mm -hmm. I could just hit somebody up and then go drop that off and then be right back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I was like, okay. I said, I understand. I said, I understand that. I said, but how long did it? T how much time and how much effort did it take you to build that relationship? How many hours did you have to spend on the phone? Did you have how much money you had to spend on the date? Mm -hmm. Dates. How much time did you really have to put in? How much work you really had to put in? How many text messages have you sent back and forth with her? Yeah. How much time have you really invested in this in the relationship and the interaction? Yeah. So that's the part of it that you got to think about is that everything that you do is an investment in some way, whether right. it's good or whether it's a bad investment. Everything that you do is an investment. So I was telling them like, yeah, bro, you might have, you might go and drop it off real quick and then go back but you had to put that work in you still had to answer the phone you still had to drive mm -hmm. over there you still had to do it you still had to come home late yep. so I was like bro at the end of the day think about what you could have did if you didn't do that this one time exactly. you feel what I'm saying you could have got extra sleep and then been up for the run when it was time to run yep. instead of calling saying man I ain't get enough rest last night now I can't go to this run you feel what I'm saying so it's stuff like that in your life that just kind of domino effects so yeah so I would say the biggest thing that I saw, man, was that I was just like the self-control and the discipline. It gave me the confidence to do other stuff. Mm -hmm. You feel what I'm saying? So it was like, damn, well, if I could stop having sex, I probably could learn a little bit of Spanish. Or I could probably could start <laughs> cooking a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I could probably, yeah. damn, you know, learn how to get them stop, learn how to do the stock market or something. Like, it gave me that yeah. confidence to just go and be like, yo, I can try this because I discipline myself not to have sex. Yeah. Everybody I'm around. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? It's not doing that. So, it gave me just that, that, it's one of those keystone habits, man, where it's like, it, it helped me to just have the confidence to do other shit. Bro, I, it's funny you uh, broke that keystone shit down, but um, we was just talking about that off the mic. Like, the keystone habit shit with me is my shit is the gym. That's yeah. my habit. 
Like I go six days a week. Yeah. I stop going to the gym. Yeah. Start back smoking. Start back eating back. Yeah. Start back uh-huh. just doing stupid shit. Just keeping, I guess, just not filling that void, that energy I needed and shit. So it's just funny to get educated on some shit like that. But, um, and another thing that helped oh, with that, bro, too, is like, I um, I was reading, I was reading this uh, blog post earlier today that was talking about like uh, one, it was talking about procrastination, and another part of it was talking about habits, and um, it was talking about just initiating. So like, it was saying stuff like simple stuff like, all right, let's say you want to write more, open your book. Yeah. Let's say you wanna. <laughs> let's say you wanna. Uh, I don't know. It was just like simple stuff like that. Like, oh, let's say you wanna. You wanna read. You wanna read more. Sit something by your nightstand. Like, actually open it up. Yeah, yeah. You feel yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Just take that first initial step. That first step. You wanna design yeah. more. Sit down at your computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You open your computer. Like stuff like that will just help you. And then, it was another thing. It was talking about um, expectations. Like, bro, when you set your expectations so high, like, even with me as a professional athlete, when I go to the gym and I'm not feeling it, I don't try to kill myself, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel what I'm saying? I don't try to kill myself, mm-hmm. and I'm an athlete for a living. Yeah. So, like, when people, that's how people get discouraged. Like, my uncle was getting discouraged like that. Like, he go and try to, like, bust his ass at the gym, and then he don't mm-hmm. go for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bro, like, yeah, yeah, you feel yeah. what I'm saying? So, like, that's, the, that's the part of it, bro, where it's like, don't, don't try to goddamn go crazy. Just, bro, even if you spend two minutes. Yeah. Bro, spend two minutes and do it real quick. Mm-hmm. What happens is your subconscious mind don't see it like that. Your subconscious mind sees it as, I got it done. You feel me? And that's how you want to think of it. You don't want to downplay right. it like, oh, I only did it for three minutes. I only did it for this, that. No, nah, don't downplay it. It is. You got it done, bro. You know what I'm saying? You achieved it. You was consistent. Yeah, because then it blossoms into a mentality of just get it done. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Regardless of what, just go get it done, you yeah. know? So... Um, last few questions before I get you up out of here. Um, it's rare to meet somebody that was into boxing. That's why I wanted this episode. So, as vividly as you can paint the picture, exactly how obsessed are you with boxing? Um, on a scale of one to ten, how obsessed am I with boxing? Yeah, I'm pretty damn obsessed. I would say boxing is probably about seventy percent of my life. Uh. I mean, I mean, and to put it in perspective, I mean, uh, yeah, I think nah, boxing probably about eighty percent of my life. Uh. Probably eighty, eighty-five percent of my life because now that I'm thinking about it. For me to do something that doesn't have anything to do with boxing, it has to be intentional for me now, if that makes sense. So I have to make a conscious effort for something not to be about boxing. Like, mm-hmm. that's how involved and obsessed I am with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have to literally say, 
Like I play, I play a little bit of guitar and stuff like that. I teach myself some guitar, mm. and I'm not necessarily good or anything like that. I could just play a couple of songs and stuff like that. I do it in my spare time. Right, right. But I literally had to say, all right, this is completely not anything to do with boxing, but I do it. Yeah. Because it helps me. It helps me kind of balance that part of it out. You feel mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Balance that part of my life up, out. But every like, bro, I don't really know like from. The silverware I got to get them my food in my refrigerator to the clothes that I buy <laughs> to everything you see <laughs> in this motherfucker like boxing. bro every everything is about boxing in some way you yeah. know what I'm saying or help me to get you know help me to get to another place where I could be in a better position for boxing like yeah, it ain't, yeah. everything kind of ties full circle back to that so how obsessed am I about it. Uh, obsessed enough to revolve my entire life around it. Mm. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's pretty damn obsessed. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never even thought about that until you asked me. Yeah. Um. Now, reason I was asking you that is because, uh, you know, with this podcast and shit, I'm pretty passionate about it. But you know, lately, recently, I've been letting off the gas. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But I can clearly see myself letting off the gas, which I feel like is a skill trait. A lot of motherfuckers yeah, can't yeah, see yeah, when yeah. they fall off is coming or when they, they bullshit and then they yeah. need to get on track. So my thing, I was just trying to figure out from you, like, how do you stay hungry for it? Because I feel like in this environment with what y'all are going for as boxers, like, if every to me, if every boxer is living in America in pursuit of the dream where you are right now, living like you, like any given moment, they could say fuck this shit. One little, one little bad thing, Nothing. and it'll make them say fuck this shit. So I do what, all the time. Yeah, like what what keeps you coming back, and what what makes you say fuck this shit? Bunch of shit. Like sometimes it's the stress. Sometimes a bunch of shit. Sometimes it's the stress. It's the like. Family stuff, the stuff that I miss. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. not being able to go places, not being able to go. But you know what keeps me aligned, bro, is one, the people I got around me. But also, more more than that would be just keeping my end goal in mind and kind of knowing where I'm going. But mm-hmm. not only that. But also having a confidence to know that I actually could get there. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, so like that. Exactly. I think that's that's part of it because then the people that you have around you align with that. You feel what I'm saying? But you gotta have that base because without that base, it don't matter who, how good the people are around you, it's not gonna work. Yeah. You gotta have that foundation. Like I got that foundation to where it's like, bro. All the time I'll be like, man, what the? I'll be like, boy. <laughs> what am I doing this shit for? Like, bro, I done been in some sparring matches where it'd be like, somebody got the best of me at a time, or I didn't do exactly what I expected to do, and I'd be like, man, I don't, this shit. <laughs> but I always come back because I realize that, one, this shit is way bigger than me, bro. Like, yeah. I don't, it's not just about me anymore. Like, I got yeah. too many people involved. I got too many people counting on me. I got too much stuff. Um, that just already in the works and all the way already going. Mm. And then two, I have this like really yearning desire to be something more. 
Yeah. Because I feel like, honestly, in my heart and in my soul, that I'm supposed to be. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I honestly believe that I'm supposed to be somebody great. I'm supposed to be something more. So, until I figure out exactly what it is, I'm going to keep pursuing what I'm what I'm pursuing. You feel what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I be having them times, bro. I'm telling you, bro. I be like, man, <laughs> I don't even know it. Like, I'll be, I'll watch something on TV or I see something or I'll be, you know, you're those moments where you compare yourself to somebody or, mm-hmm. or a situation. Why and you, you ain't be like, there or something. Yeah, shit like there's that, not yeah. even necessarily why you ain't there. It'll be like some shit like, damn, like, whoo. <laughs> like, am I, can I get there? Like, yeah. can, can I make it there? <laughs> can I even weather the storm exactly. to get there? <laughs> but the answer is yes. Like, yeah. The answer is everything you're about to go through in life and every single trial every tribulation every situation that you're put in that is either bad or good is going to prepare you for that moment if you're supposed to be there and i believe in my heart that i am bro i believe that in my heart that i'm I'm supposed to be there but not just based on my skill but based on who i am as a person you feel what i'm saying yeah so i don't know i think i think that that's what really keeps me going and keeps me motivated is my purpose is bigger like i feel like that my purpose is just bigger, man. It's bigger than than what I can imagine right now. It's yeah. bigger than what I could rely on right now. You feel me? Yeah. So yeah. I have to kind of just keep in my mind, like, yo, keep moving forward because you don't even know what you're doing it for. But when you look back, you're gonna be like, God damn, I'm glad I yeah, did that. Yeah, yeah. You man, feel what I'm yeah. saying? That's what happened in that episode I was telling you about why I jumbled everything up in one. Yeah, like yeah. that was that was the the that was I guess that was the shit that woke me back up because like I sat there and just like reflected on everything I went through to get certain episodes like and it's like bro you yeah. put the work in yeah you bro do? them first them first ten episodes bro I probably asked per episode I probably had to ask about ten to fifteen people to do an episode mm-hmm. and now it's like you know I hit anybody you want to do an episode yeah you know what I'm saying it's done you know what I'm saying so. It's just crazy to see the growth and, you know what I'm saying, how people uh, could give up on the, the path of success and all that shit. But my, one of my last questions I wanted to ask you was uh, earlier you brought up Javante Davis. Yeah. Where was he at in his career when you met him? 6-0. Uh, 6-0. and, oh. six and fucking oh. What year was this? Shit, that was like... I don't even think I was pro yet. Shit, that had to be like 2004. 15, 2014. So you can blow up that fast. Yeah. That ain't nothing but four years ago. Three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bro. That ain't ain't shit. That's Um, that's really not even... I mean, it was fast, but shit. I mean, it wasn't... It's people that blow up faster. Damn. Like Ryan Garcia. Like Ryan Garcia literally blew up in a matter of like nine, ten months, bro. Wow. What was he doing before boxing? No, he was boxing. He was boxing. He just wasn't on that world stage like that. Now he's like somebody that people are really looking at. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like he's making he's making big money. Damn. Now Javante Davis. Um, one thing. Javante Davis is a millionaire now, though. Yeah, I seen that. Making next level money. His. Uh, I'm not an expertise in boxing, but one thing I noticed is his right hand is mean as <laughs> fuck. Like that shit is. Powerful, quick, it's everything. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Crazy. Is that a fluke or is that shit real? Nah, that shit like that. 
Matter of fact, how I know for a fact it's not a fluke, dog, is um, I went up to I went up to DC, and you know, cause Javante was up there. Javante was up there in DC training, and uh, I was at the gym where he was at. Yeah. Shit, everybody that sparred with him, hell, mitts for him. Mm-hmm. They was like, hey. That little motherfucker can punch. Like, yeah. that power is real. Like, he got some real crazy power. Like, how do not quill right hand. How do you develop a right hand like That's that? That's God given, man. God given? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just wondered, like. It's like baseball, bro. Like, yeah. you know, some people can just hit a baseball. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's one of those things. It's one of the hardest things in the world. Some people can just hit a motherfucking baseball. Like, mm. it ain't. It's in you, bro. Like, it's in you. You could drill it. You could practice it. You could get stronger. You could do a lot of things. But the reason why I say it's God-given is because, bro, that man weighs 130 pounds when he's he's at fight weight. He walks around around my weight. Yeah. Like, 150-ish. But he, bro, like, he's 130 pounds when he fights. So he's smaller than you? Yeah, a lot smaller. Wow. Like a lot, lot smaller. Wow. And, um, but bruh, and he hit like he was 60. <laughs> that motherfucker look like he's 6'1, 230. Yeah, Javante Davis about 5'5, five, 5'6. Five, five, yeah, Javante Davis about 5'5. Five, five. That's crazy. And what's your measurements on paper? You ain't gotta tell you real. 5'9, 76 inch reach. I got the, I got the reach of somebody that's around 6'1, six, 6'2. Six, mm. So. Yeah, it's it. Like, put it like this. My reach is the. I think I got longer reach. You know who Sergey Kovalev is? I've heard of that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just looking at the Kovalev. I got longer reach than him. Shit. And, he, and he's a light heavyweight. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, I got long reach for, for, my, for my weight class. So, yeah, I think Javante is like it's around like 64 or something like that. It's really not. Look it up. Now I don't know. Now you got me. <laughs> but that's um, amazing. That motherfucker. Look, I swear he looked like the NFL linebacker. You telling me he damn? Nah, bro, about this dog, bro. That's crazy. crazy <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Yeah, he. So when I met him, bro, he probably was like, "Yeah, bro, probably like that, bro." That shit. But don't don't let that shit fool you. That motherfucker will hit you. <laughs> I got a theory though, real quick. It just popped in my head. I yeah. think for boxing to go to the next level, yeah, they just gotta let motherfuckers fight motherfuckers. Like, just imagine watching him demolish a heavyweight <laughs> nah, and bro, beating nah. the shit out of him, and like that right hand really putting a heavyweight <laughs> to sleep. That shit would, you know, like that should just be historical. You know that's, what I'm saying? That's a fantasy shit, man. Like, I'd love to see them break the weight classes for like a tournament <laughs> or some shit. And just had a motherfucker sign waivers. Man, that's so. Well, all right. So if you want to see that, go to a tough man. A tough man competition has uh, ranges. Yeah. So um, a tough man competition would be, they'll usually have four classes. Mm-hmm. It'll be like a lightweight weight class, a middleweight um and then I think it's like, no, a lightweight, a welterweight, a middleweight, and then a heavyweight. Mm. So it'll be like, but the ranges are within 20 pounds. 
So you could see a motherfucker that weigh like 130 fight somebody that weigh like 160. Mm, okay, okay, okay. Or not 160, like 150. 150, yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Or stuff like that. So if you want to see somebody that, yeah, if you want to see some fights like that, that's when you go to the tough man competition. <laughs> they got the weight ranges like that. Or I'm going to check it out. Is there anything else you want to speak on before we get you up out of here? You got to fight on the 21st. Have you announced who you fighting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm fighting a guy out of uh, out of Bull City, out of Durham. His name is Marco Bailey. And uh, he got a pretty big fan base down there in Durham. Um, and uh, his fight name is The Bully. Mm-hmm. And uh, The Bull City Bully. So, yeah, so... Yeah, it's going to be a good fight, man. It's going to be a good fight. It's a great style matchup. Um, he's slick, quick hands, stuff like that. A lot of movement. So mm-hmm. I got to make... He's going to be different than any opponent that I've fought in the past. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be one of my biggest tests so far. So it's going to be a, a great fight to, to be at, bro. And definitely a fight you don't want to miss. That joint's going to be off the chain. So. How much y'all paying to fight that big nigga? Who? The big nigga in the blue shorts last fight. I can't remember who you... The heavyweight from like Asheville or some shit. The big dude. The big, big dude? Yeah, the big heavyweight fight. You at? You said how much you did? Who paying? How much y'all paying? I want to fight that big nigga. <laughs> <laughs> how you much think y'all... you can take him? <laughs> nah, but I just wanted that, that experience. I'll take that smoke. <laughs> because... I already know it's like you gotta avoid the fatal blow, but other than that, I feel like I can last with that like big motherfucker. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, they give you about eight hundred for that. Your first Ooh, fight. Ooh, I might have to pop up out there. <laughs> they give you between six and eight hundred. Bro, you don't want to do that. <laughs> that big motherfucker. You think, swing. Bro, I'm telling you, everybody think they can get them. They can go until it happens. Bro, I left that match. I drank two beers at that shit. I left that saying, bro, I want to be a boxer, bro. <laughs> I could take one of these niggas out, bro. I swear I said that shit. <laughs> but yeah, man. I appreciate you coming through, man. Yeah. How the people pull up? Check your shit out, man. Up. Put the link in the description box and all that. So just for confirmation, Javante Davis is five five and a half, and he got a 67, 67 and a half inch reach. That's long to be that short, huh? Yeah, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. It's a little. It's like a little bit above average. Five fucking five. Good God. So like you look at some of the people he fought. That's the dude he knocked out his last fight. Oh, that's when he hit with that mean right. Yeah. Jesus, he buried that man. See, like this dude, 5'9", 6'69", uh, inch reach. Like, it's a... And then you got somebody like Jose Pedraza, who's actually a pretty damn good fighter. Number one in Puerto Rico, number three in the world. Mm. Um, 70 and a half inch reach, 5'8". So why isn't he on like big name? He is puppy. Like I've never heard. You said his name is what now? Jose Pedraza. He fought Lomachenko and he fought Javante Davis. Damn. Nah, he's on big name. Nah, people know him. A lot of people know him. Damn. And he's pretty good. <laughs> but it's like if you don't. So, 
it's two types of fans in the world. Yeah. It's the diehard and the casual. Yeah. That's that's like the that's what that's what the diehard boxing fans call like the the two types of fans. It's diehards and it's mm-hmm. casuals. Exactly. And then you have and then you have uh, in between. There is a mix of in between or like sports people in general, like people that just like sports and they know a lot about sports in general. A lot of times, yeah, yeah, yeah. In betweeners, but and they don't have a specific passion for one sport. Like a sports person could love football <laughs> and not really care about really any other sports. Yeah, yeah. But so a casual is somebody who doesn't really know a lot about boxing, but they like to see fights or they like to see. You know, sports or something like that. Just kind of just the casual fan. Mm-hmm. Like when Floyd is the master of casual fans, that's why he can demand that much money. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. because no matter if you don't know anything but Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, the you know Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, exactly. You feel what I'm saying? And that's why he's the master of the casual. Anytime he fight, anytime he do anything, he gonna pull in that type of bread. You feel? Yeah, me? yeah. But somebody. Like um, somebody like um, Joshua uh, Inouye, you don't even know who the hell that is, but yet he's one of the pound for pound fighters in the world. Mm. Like he's on his way to be one of the pound for pound fighters in the world. But I say Inouye, you like okay? <laughs> I don't even know who that I is. I don't know who the fuck. You they feel what I'm it's saying? like soccer, bro. It's like tears to that shit. Yeah, and it's just like superstars. You don't even know who the fuck they are. But they from. superstars, yeah, though. It's exactly. like they going all over the world. That shit crazy. It's crazy. So <laughs> like, yeah, and that's the that's the one thing about like life in general now, man. It's like we could be so much in our own bubble, bro. Like. If, if we don't like it, we don't never have to see it. Should. Yeah, I love that shit, honestly. <laughs> because, I mean, you got to think about it, bro. It's, it's pros to, it's way more pros and cons to that shit now. Like, like I'm just saying compared to, like, internet versus television in the right, 90s right, and right, shit. Right, like, right, 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 right. like, you don't even got to know who this musician is to your right. And this motherfucker could be selling out arenas, making millions of dollars. And you could never know because he's just not in none of your... Social media algorithms. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love that shit. So, yeah. That's That's true, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like Billie Eilish. You ever heard of that? Billie Eilish. Like, this girl that started trending in the last two, three weeks out of nowhere. And it was was crazy because it was on some stuff like I was on somebody's page and I seen them tell I'm like, who the hell? I never even heard of that in my life. I never heard no song. I never heard nothing. I never heard. And then I heard a little song and I was like, and then I started seeing it everywhere and then I started hearing it on the radio. Bruh. And I'm like, yo, that is crazy. My last example, then I'm going to get up out of here. Russ. You know Russ? Bruh. Nice. Bruh, I fucking, I was listening to a podcast, Rap Radar. You ever heard of them? Yep. I was listening to a Rap Radar podcast he came and did an episode, and you know how Russ talk his shit. He was talking shit, and I didn't hear, I didn't know shit about it. So I'm like, "Who the fuck is this cocky ass little kid?" Yeah, I do numbers. I don't, I don't do drugs. I, you know, I do everything right. You do everything wrong, type shit. You know, yeah. he talk shit. So I go check his shit out. He doing this. He doing that. He doing all this shit. So then, the coincidental thing about all that shit was. He was coming to Charlotte to do a show in the next two days. Word. After me finding all this shit out. So I go check his shit out. He's at the Underground, which is a little... Oh, word. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, the Underground. So he's at the Underground. About 
He sold that bitch out about 300 people, three, 400 people in the underground. You know how packed that shit is. So ever since then, bro, that that was like October 2017. I've literally watched this man become a superstar. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. And I did not even know who the fuck he was in in, in an eight-day span. You know what I'm saying? This nigga's like got a whole new perspective. Yeah, like that's life now. That's wild. Yeah. I got put on Rush probably like a year, two years ago, something like that. Yeah. And uh when he was dropping um when he was dropping a project, I think it was every week or every day or something like that. Like yeah. when he was doing that some new channels. song every week shit. Yeah. 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 He was dropping like a new song every single week. He had did that shit for like two and a half, three years on SoundCloud and that's how he blew up. <sighs> just, just one but song he was every week. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean if you make one song every week, I guess you about well if you got any kind of skill. I ain't gonna say anybody. Yeah. You got any type of following, that shit should grow after three years. Yeah. But yeah, man, I appreciate you. Yeah, no doubt. I'm sure I'm gonna have you back in about a year, half a year, something, something again. We'll talk again. Yeah. I mean it's even since the last time we did one, it's even been a cause you did we did a fight um what was that, two fights ago? It was at Extravaganza. Yeah, so that was two fights ago. My last fight was at Grady Cole, and I won a belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I won a belt Congrats. since then. Um, and this one's for a belt, too. So, yeah, a little bit more information on the fight. September 21st at Extravaganza. You know, be there, be square, man. On the main event, Levante, the world-class gentleman, early. Get your tickets now. General admission is $40. Red ringside table seat is $80. Make sure you get that. Hit me up, Instagram, V-O-N underscore W-C-G. Um, um, let me see. I'm trying to think of what other information, man. That's really it, man. Hit me on the gram, man. Shoot me a DM. <laughs> Definitely. We out. My guy, I appreciate you. Appreciate you too, man. And that's going to do it for another episode, another legendary episode of Me Blanc Amigo, episode 43. What's a Keystone Habit featuring Vaughn, world-class gentleman, early? Uh, I appreciate every last one of y'all that made it this far, man. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with your boy. You know what I'm saying? That shows greatness. That shows greatness in you. I don't know what I'm saying right now. But as always, as always, you know, I always come back stronger, harder, smarter, faster, quicker, stronger, faster, harder, smarter. Um, follow my Instagram at R-O-B-E-I-W-H-Y. Again, that's R-O-B-E-I-W-H. Oh, damn, spelling shit wrong. I'm sorry. R-O-B-E-I-W-H-Y. R-O-B-E-I-W-H-Y. And you know I'm coming back more litter, 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 more titter, titter, titter next time. So like always, like always, like always, baby. Like my shit, comment on my shit, and subscribe to my shit like the motherfucking white girls in the valley say. I'm out.